Hi friends, good morning. Today we are talking about how we might approach teaching melody to some of our youngest musical learners. My name is Victoria Bowler and this is episode 51 of Elemental Conversations. This is a topic from a colleague on Instagram, and we were talking about teaching melody to older beginners, and this colleague uh, was requesting that we instead have, or in addition to, have a conversation about teaching melody to young students, specifically grade one. So that's what we get to talk about today. Before we get to uh, upper elementary, fourth and fifth grade, uh, playing on bard instruments and recorder and ukulele, what does that look like at the beginning of the learning process? And is there a way to make early melodic experiences intentional and musical and pedagogically sound and still joyful? That's what we'll talk about today. I have a few caveats before we jump in. Uh, The first one is just that there is not a single how to teach blank because other pedagogues have other ways that they would approach this same conversation, other very valid ways that they would approach the same conversation. And then other pedagogues, even if they would follow this general framework, they would have things that they want to tweak going forward. And so I just want to uh, affirm that there are many, quote, correct ways to do this. This is my approach. And if you are looking for an approach to try with your first grade, musicians, this is one that I would recommend starting with. This is also basically the same way that we are going to teach melodic concepts to other grades as well. This is the same process that we're going to experience over several weeks with one concept, but then we'll come back to this same flow of uh, same flow of general activities, but at higher and higher levels of melodic development. This is something that will spiral from first grade all the way through fifth, sixth, whatever you teach. And then my last caveat is that these experiences, we're saying that they start at the beginning of the learning experience, but really the beginning of the learning experience is hopefully in a preschool or a TK or a kindergarten situation where we are doing a lot of play-based melodic exploration just for fun. So if that has not yet happened, that's actually where I would be, would begin. Uh, things like for voices and your singing voice exploration and um, high and low, all of those things would hopefully take place before we get to grade one. But since the question, since the topic is very specifically about grade one, that's where we'll start for this podcast episode. As we talk about this process, there are two avenues of curiosity for me. One of them is active embedded assessment. That's something I care about a lot. So thinking about uh, what are the actual musical pieces of this process that we can hear and see? What are the data that we can collect from students so that we are partnering with them and not just making music at them, right? Assessment, this is a topic for another time, but assessment is a collaborative process where the teacher is the learner. So active assessment is one of the areas of curiosity that I have with teaching anything, but for our purposes, teaching melody, definitely. And then the other area of curiosity I have is this idea of student choice and student ownership, Um, making space for students to make creative decisions in our pedagogy. 
Just like with active assessment, this is something that definitely deserves its own devoted time, but I want to mention it here uh, that I will be kind of uh, touching on some of these areas of curiosity I have embedded within this overall framework for teaching melody. Okay, let's jump in. We are going to have an active musical experience. That's step one. Step two, notice and explore. Step three is establish communication. And then step four is use consciously. That's the whole sequence that we're using today. It will be spread out again over several weeks, but it's a movement from experiencing something to eventually using it consciously. And in between those steps of just experiencing and using consciously, we are going to uh, invite students to notice and explore something about the things they have been uh, experiencing in an active way. And then we'll decide what to call it. We establish communication. And then that opens the door for more musicking in collaboration with each other. Okay, let's jump to the very first part of this process, active experiences. This is something that I think a lot of us are very good at. We understand the idea that we learn music by doing music. We don't learn music by listening to the teacher talk at us about so and me, right? So our first step is singing and playing games. This is the core body of work that we are using in the classroom. This is the main uh, important step. Because what this does, in addition to setting up a space where we just have a lot of fun together, a lot of fun in community, in addition to that, we are establishing a musical context. Students are gathering resources from this repertoire. The resources that they are gathering are things like tonal patterns or weighted beats in a meter or rhythmic durations, or uh, for our purposes specifically, in addition to tonal patterns, what we can expect from a melody. What do melodies sound? like. We are gathering all of these musical puzzle pieces effectively that we are going to use later in this process. When we are doing active experiences, this is the teacher as the informer. This is the teacher teaching you how to play apple tree or how to play bounce high, bounce low, or palapalita, or whatever else we are doing. This is the teacher as the informer telling you how to play the game. If we were to put on our Orf Schulwerk hat, we would call this imitation. Maybe you have a different hat that you use. Maybe you are wearing a Kodai hat. In the Kodai framework, we would call this preparation. This is a nice time for another caveat. I am not suggesting that these two pedagogies are identical. I am not suggesting that they are basically the same thing because they're not. They're unique to each other. What I am suggesting is that good pedagogues allow their students, their young musicians, to experience something in an active way. And so in that sense, there will be some continuity between these two approaches, but it's not because they are basically the same approach. So in this active experience, we're singing songs, we are playing games. Well, where does that assessment piece come in? Here, we want to listen very carefully. Are our students singing our song without our help? In order for us to figure out if they are singing the song, we need to stop singing with them in order to listen to them sing and play the game to Apple Tree. 
Another question that we're going to want to really focus on is, do we hear the students matching pitch? Do we hear them actually singing this target element in the ensemble context? And if not, then it's probably not time to move ahead. It's probably time to stay with this active, engaging musical experience and live there until we can hear people matching pitch. Because we are going to draw on, like I said, we are gathering these musical resources for us to use later. And if we don't have a bucket of tonal patterns that we can draw from, if we are not matching pitch with these tonal patterns, that is going to be tricky later. Let's give an example of this. With Apple Tree, we can sing and play the game. That song is, Apple tree, apple tree, will your apples fall on me? I won't cry and I won't shout if your apples knock me out. You can hear so and me. Let's focus on so and me for the rest of these examples. We can hear these, uh, this high pitch and a low pitch. Apple tree, high, high, low. And we hear that in these first four beats, but then we also hear it come back in the third phrase of the song. If we're thinking about the song in four beat phrases. Okay, great. The game to this is uh, you probably have a version of this that you like to use. You might use the uh, beat passing game, which is fabulous. The version that I use is all of the students are walking around in a circle while they sing the song. Something important here is that your beat is in your feet and you are keeping a steady beat as you walk around the circle, not just running around the circle as fast as you can. Okay. So we're walking around the circle. We are singing the song. There are two students who have their hands above their head to create an arch. And uh, they are going to raise their hands so that the rest of the class can walk underneath the arch in the circle. And at the word out, those uh, hands that are above their heads, let's call them tree branches. Those tree branches are going to drop and catch an apple. And once the apple is caught, we have a couple options. My recommendation is that apple hangs out in the center of the circle until the tree branches have caught a second apple in the next round of the song. Okay, well now we have two people with one tree, the ones that were the original tree, and we have a second set of students who could either take the place of that tree, depending on your classroom management decision, or if your students are ready for it, uh, the other students who have just been caught make their own separate tree in another part of the circle. So now we have two trees. Okay, so you see where we're going from here. This is cumulative. So the more times we sing the song, the more apples we catch. And the more apples we catch, the more trees we have. And the game goes on and on. Okay, great. So we could hang out here just singing the song and playing the game. We could hang out here for a while because this is a lot of fun. And that's kind of where a lot of us um, tend to get a little bit stuck in our teaching. We have this complete understanding, like a big thumbs up. Yes, active, active experiences in the music room, uh, play-based learning or play-influenced learning. Wonderful. But now, now that we've sung the song and played the game, now what do we do next? Where's that connection between singing something with a melodic pattern in it that we want to highlight? Where's the line from singing so and me in a song that I know as the teacher is so and me? And how do I move that process along so that students have conscious knowledge of what they've been doing? How do I help students construct their own knowledge of, in this case, a minor third? so in me. 
So let's see if we can take some of this contextual understanding that students have worked with and see if we can create a new batch of experiences where the teacher is not the informer like we were with the active experiences. Let's see if we can take a step back and turn ourselves into the guide. This next step is noticing something and exploring it. A nice way to do this is to move to the melodic contour. This is what I am calling exploratory curricular creativity, which is a topic for another time. But in this part of the creative process, we are going to say, oh, I am so curious about X. I have a curious question. Oh, what would happen if, right? What would happen if we mixed up the form? What would happen if it's a different type of tree? Oh, that could be so interesting. We're making adjustments to the song and the game that we're used to playing from this first part of the process. Next, can we move to the melodic contour? Can you move to the melodic contour of, let's just zoom in to these first four beats, apple tree, apple tree, because this is our target pattern. We don't care about law yet. So with these first four beats, can you move to the melody, moving to the high and low sounds? We could do that a million and a half different ways, and students can come up with their own way to do it. We can also so uh, experiment, experiment with uh, moving in our spots by ourselves, or we could experiment with moving around the circle or around the room in open space. And then we can also experiment with showing it with a partner. Questions that we will get curious about are things like, how many steady beats do you hear in this phrase? So let's recall that in the active experience part, we uh, cared that students were going to keep a steady beat while they played the game. That's because, again, we're establishing the context. We're going to draw on that steady beat awareness in this next phase. So how many steady beats do you hear in this phrase? How many pitches do you hear in this phrase? Oh, interesting. Uh, what picture on the board matches the song? Or how would you write this down in a way that makes sense? to you? And how would you explain it to a friend? Another question that we could say is, uh, could we find this relationship, in this case, high and low, could we find this on barred instruments? So again, the teacher here is the guide. This is where we are noticing things and exploring them in an active way. If we were to wear our ORF hat, we would call this exploration. If we were to wear our Kodai hat, this would still be a part of preparation. And our assessment questions in this part of the learning process are, uh, to what extent do we use this element in multiple contexts? Do you remember that we were uh, concerned, we were interested in pitch matching skill at the beginning? Now we're still interested in pitch matching, but we're going to change the context many different times and listen to students, observe students using this same melodic concept, but in many different uh, contextual opportunities. The next assessment question for us to get curious about in this stage of the learning process is, can we accurately describe the melody or do we accurately describe the melody? And do we have explanations for how we might show this melody visually? This part of the process is still an active experience, but we're going to have the active experience that kind of moves beyond singing and playing the game. And then we have this reflection piece where we circle back and we think critically about what we've been doing as musicians. Let's go back to Apple Tree and look at some ways that we might apply this. I can hear our target element, so, so me, so, so me. 
I can hear that in the first four beats of the song. And so that is what we are going to focus on. After we have sung the song and played the game, I might ask students to pretend like they are picking apples from a tree. And some of the apples are high on the tree and some of them are a little bit lower. So let's think about picking those apples on a high branch and a low branch. One, two, here we go. Apple tree, apple tree. And my hands are moving from up high, pick, pick, and then a lower pitch, pick that apple. Great. That is something that we can do just following the teacher. The teacher can be showing us how to pick the apples, but then can you find your own way to pick the apples? Maybe you had to climb on top of a ladder to get them. Maybe um, they had actually fallen down on the ground and one of them is on top of a tiny little uh, hill of dirt and one of them is down on the ground. Okay. We, we have lots of options. It doesn't matter exactly what iteration of this movement activity students choose to do. The idea is that we have high pitches and low pitches. Great. Can you do that with a partner now? Oh, interesting. Could you find a way to pick these apples with a partner? Maybe you have a bucket for the high apples and your partner has a bucket for the low apples. So you will just pick the high ones and your partner will show you picking the low ones. Okay, that could be fun. Uh, maybe you and your partner are going to stand back away from the apple tree and point, plan out the very best apples that you see. And maybe you might choose to point to some imaginary high apples that you're gonna go pick in just a second in this imaginary scenario. And then maybe you point to the low apples that you're going to pick next. So many creative movement avenues here while we show the melodic contour. If we sense that students are ready to move on from these first four beats, we can absolutely do that as well. Uh, because this song uses law in the second and fourth phrases, I recommend uh, that we will pick our apples on phrases one and three. And then on phrases two and four, we just look inside our bucket of apples and uh, kind of marvel at how many we have. So we would have pick, 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 hold still and look at our bucket. Pick, 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 hold still and look at our bucket. Okay, so next we can ask students, how many steady beats do you hear in this first part of the song? Apple tree, apple tree. We have four steady beats right here. How many pitches do you hear in those first four beats? Hmm, I'm not sure. Apple tree, apple tree. Ah, okay. Two pitches. One is high and one is low. Question, is there a pattern in our song with the words and the pitches? Oh, okay. Oh yeah, there is a pattern with the words. Apple tree, apple tree. Hey, that's a pattern. But I also hear a pattern in the melody. High, high, low, high, high, low. Oh, that is so exciting. So now we know that those first four beats have a pattern, a pattern of high, high, low, High, high, low. Curious question for you, first grade. Which picture of apples on the board matches the high and low pattern of the song? So here, this is where you would just, uh, if you were like me, you would pull out your Expo marker and you would just draw some circles on the board very quickly. Uh, two high, one low, two high, one low. And then you can draw some different variations of incorrect answers. Incorrect for our purposes. So maybe you go high, low, high, and that's it. Maybe you go um, high, low, low, high, low, low, or you might go low, low, high, low, low, high. Students can work with their partner to figure out which melody on the board matches the melody of apple tree.
Notice at this point in the process, we have been having active musical experiences where students are taking some different avenues of exploration and then going back and thinking about what they've done. At no point in this process have we stood in front of the class and said, okay, music friends, today we are going to learn about two pitches, so and me. Instead, we're creating a context where students explore those pitches on their own and think, they reflect back on uh, the pitches themselves. They come up with a way to describe them. And they are describing it in a way that is age appropriate. So movement in collaboration with a friend and looking at iconic notation on the board. One more thing we can do just to drive this home before we move on to the next step, establish communication, is say, how do you know that this picture of apples on the board matches the melody of apple tree? How do you know? How did you get to this answer? And students might think their answer quietly in their head, or they might turn to a shoulder partner and talk about it, or, and, or, they might uh, put a quiet hand in the air and we can have a class discussion. Okay, after that, let's go on to establishing communication because Real musicians call this so many things. So we will need one way to talk about it in this music class so that we all know we're talking about the same thing. Real musicians call it lots of things and sometimes they don't call it anything at all. In this class, we call the high pitch so and the low pitch me. So now let's go back to this apple tree example. We're going to sing those first four beats, not on high, high, low, high, high, low, but so, so me, so, so me. But the label is not the important thing here. Students have already described what so and me are. They've already come up with a definition. All we are doing is establishing vocabulary for what students figured out these pitches are. So now that we have that vocabulary, let's sing it with solfege that we just learned, and we can add on uh, body solfege or Kerwin hand signs. The body solfege that I use is hands on our head for so and hands on our shoulders for me. Kerwin hand signs we're probably all familiar with. That is our palm facing us, like maybe in front of our nose or so. And then me is our hand uh, flat horizontal down a little bit lower. So I will sing apple tree to you on a loo and you get to echo on body soulfish. If we were in my classroom, we would use body soulfish. Some people use Kerwin hand signs, which is also a beautiful option. My turn first. Here I go. Loo, 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 Students sing so, so me, so, so me. Lovely, fabulous, beautiful. Let's keep going because real musicians also write this in many different ways. And sometimes real musicians don't write it down at all. In this class, so and me are always a skip apart, which means if so is on a line, then me is on the line below or a skip down. If so is on a space, then me is always on the space below or a skip down. A nice way to uh, emphasize this is to take that barred instrument that we have somewhere in our classroom and make it vertical so that it's not horizontal with the low side on the left, high side on the right. Now it's vertical with the high side on top and the low side on the bottom. And we can look at a skip between so and me. 
In the last part of this learning process and then notice and explore, this was the teacher as the guide. Your teaching role, our teaching role is as uh, the person who just creates these experiences and then stands back and watches students interact with each other in these experiences. We can contrast that to the first part of this act, uh, active experience. That was a little bit more the teacher as the informer. Here is how to play the game. Here is how to sing the song. And then after we have this guide, guide part in notice and explore. Now, when we establish communication, this is back to the teacher as the informer. I am letting you know the common communication that we are going to use in this class. If we wanted to put on an ORF hat, we might call this labeling. If we wanted to put on a Kodai hat, we might call this presentation or we would call this presentation. The next step is for us to change our role again in this last stage of learning and go back to being the guide. So we had uh, informer, guide, informer. Now we're back to the guide. This is where we explore consciously. This is us using so and me in this example to orally identify in other songs uh, that we've been doing in the classroom to read and write and improvise and arrange and expand our part work skills. But in contrast to how we were exploring, imitating at the very beginning, this is us using it consciously. Now we know that this sound high, low, this is so in me. We can find it in other songs. We could arrange it with a partner. We could play it on barred instruments. We could create an ostinato. Lots of different options. The assessment question here is to what extent do we hear this element used consciously with increased levels of musical ownership? And that could look, you know, like a lot of different things in the classroom. You know, we talked about early identifying and expanding part work skills and everything like that. If we wanted to wear an ORF hat, we would call this creating because students are using their knowledge consciously to do things like improvise and arrange. If we wanted to wear our Kodai hat, we would call this practice. This is part of the creative process that I am calling curricular creativity, which means it is not just, uh, you know, waving scarves around and doing free improvisation on the barred instruments. All of that is beautiful and important, and we should use that. But this is conscious creativity. This is where I know about the elements that I'm using, and I am making conscious decisions about how to use so and me in an improvisation or an arrangement. Okay, so that is our learning process. We are going to have an active experience. We're going to get curious. We're going to notice and explore. Then we will establish communication and then we explore it consciously. Again, this is something that happens over a period of several, several weeks. When it's time to think about how to teach melody, it can be very easy to look at, again, this how-to part of the job, how to teach the song, how to write this pitch on the staff, how to play it on barred instruments. This is a how-to question, though, that has to do with the structural concept of melodic learning. And we've talked about the difference between uh, activities-based lessons and concept-based lessons in the past. And I'll put that link in the show notes if you are interested in finding that episode. When we are curious about this conceptual way of teaching and learning, as opposed to this how to do activities way of teaching and learning, what we find is that we have a process that we are going to spiral across different grade levels. Certainly we'll spiral this across different melodic 
elements in the same grade. But then as we move through the curriculum in an elementary general music setting, we're going to use this same process of experiencing something through play, noticing something with curiosity, and then eventually creating in community. 